butler. Most metalmen are women these days. His or her, amended Artemis. The two buildings on the right are somewhat screened by foliage, so why handicap yourself? Very good, go on. The cluster behind us is a group of financial buildings with private security stickers on the windows. A professional would avoid any confrontation. He is not being paid for. Butler nodded. It was true. And so I logically conclude that your imaginary sniper would pick the four-storey construction to our left. It is residential, so access is easy. The roof affords him or her a direct line of fire, and the security is possibly dismal and more than likely non-existent. Butler snorted. Artemis was probably right, but in the protection game, probably wasn't nearly as comforting as a Kevlar vest. You're probably right admitted the bodyguard. But only if the sniper is as smart as you are. Good point, said Artemis. And I imagine you could put together a convincing argument for any one of these buildings. You just picked that one to keep me out of your line of vision, which leads me to believe that whoever you're expecting will turn up outside Carzamilla. Artemis smiled. Well done, old friend. Carzamilla was an early 20th century dwelling designed by the Spanish Art Nouveau architect Antonio Gaudi, the façade consisted of curved walls and balconies topped by twisted ironworks. The walkway outside the building was thronged with tourists, lining up for the afternoon tour of the spectacular house. Will we recognise our visitor among all these people? Are you sure he's not already here, watching us? Artemis smiled and his eyes glittered. Believe me, he's not here. If he were, there would be a lot more screaming. Butler scowled. Once just once he would like to get all the facts before they boarded the jet. But that wasn't the way Artemis worked. To the young Irish genius, the reveal was the most important part of his schemes. At least tell me if our contact will be armed. I doubt it, said Artemis. And even if he is, he won't be with us for more than a second. A second? Just beaming down through outer space, is he? Not space, old friend, said Artemis, checking his wristwatch. Time. The boy sighed. Anyway, the moment has passed. It seems as though I've brought us here for nothing. Our visitor has not materialised. The chances were slim. Obviously there was nobody at the other end of the rift. Butler didn't know what rift Artemis was referring to. He was simply relieved to be leaving this insecure location. The sooner they could get back to Barcelona Airport, the better. The bodyguard pulled a mobile phone from his pocket and hit a number on the speed dial. The person on the other end picked up on the first ring. Maria, said Butler. Collection, pronto. Si, replied Maria tersely. Maria worked for an exclusive Spanish limousine company. She was extremely pretty and could break a breeze block with her forehead. Was that Maria? said Artemis, mimicking casual conversation perfectly. Butler was not fooled. Artemis Fowl rarely asked casual questions. Yes, that was Maria. You could tell because I used her name when I spoke to her. You don't usually ask so many questions about the limo driver. That's four in the past fifteen minutes. Will Maria be picking us up? Where do you think Maria is right now? How old do you think Maria is? Artemis rubbed his temples. It's this blasted puberty, butler. Every time I see a pretty girl, I waste valuable mind space thinking about her. That girl at the restaurant, for instance... I've glanced in her direction a dozen times in the past few minutes. Butler gave the pretty girl in question an automatic bodyguards once over. She was twelve or thirteen, did not appear to be armed, and had a mane of tight blonde curls. 
The girl was studiously working her way through a selection of tapas, while a male guardian, perhaps her father, read the paper. There was another man at the table who was struggling to stow a set of crutches under his chair. Butler judged that the girl was not a direct threat to their safety, though indirectly she could cause trouble if Artemis was unable to concentrate on his plan. Butler patted his young charge on the shoulder. It's normal to be distracted by girls. Natural. If you hadn't been so busy saving the world these past few years, it would have happened sooner. Nevertheless, I have to control it, Butler. I have things to do. Control puberty, snorted the bodyguard. If you can manage that, you'll be the first. I generally am, said Artemis. And it was true. No other teenager had kidnapped a fairy, rescued their father from the Russian mafia, and helped put down a goblin revolution by the tender age of fourteen. A horn honked twice. From across the intersection, a young lady gestured through an open limousine window. It's Maria, said Artemis, then caught himself. I mean, uh, let, let us go. Maybe we'll have better look at the next site. Butler took the lead, stopping the traffic with a wave of one massive palm. Maybe we should take Maria with us. Eh? A full-time driver would make my job a lot easier. It took Artemis a moment to realise he was being ribbed. Very funny, Butler. Y you were joking, weren't you? Yes, I was. I thought so, but I don't have a lot of experience with humour, apart from Mulch Diggums. Mulch was a kleptomaniac dwarf who had stolen from and for Artemis on previous occasions. Diggums liked to think of himself as a funny fairy, and his main sources of humour were his own bodily functions. If you can call that humour, said Butler, smiling in spite of himself at his own memories of the pungent dwarf. And suddenly, Artemis froze, in the middle of a heaving intersection. Butler glowered at the three lanes of city traffic, a hundred impatient drivers leaning on their horns. I feel something, breathed Artemis. Electricity. Could you feel it on the other side of the road? asked Butler. Artemis stretched out his arms, feeling a tingle on his palms. He's coming after all, but several metres off target. Somewhere th there is a constant that is not constant. A shape formed in the air. From nothing came a cluster of sparks and the smell of sulphur. Inside the cluster, a grey-green thing appeared, with golden eyes, chunky scales and great horned ears. It stepped out of nowhere and onto the road. It stood erect, five feet high, humanoid, but there was no mistaking this creature for human. It sniffed the air through slitted nostrils, opened a snake's mouth and spoke. Felicitations to Lady Etherington Smythe it said in a voice of crushed glass and grating steel. The creature grasped Artemis's outstretched palm with a four-fingered hand. Curious, said the Irish boy. Butler wasn't interested in curious. He was interested in getting Artemis away from this creature as quickly as possible. Let's go, he said brusquely, laying a hand on Artemis's shoulder. But Artemis was already gone. The creature had disappeared as quickly as it had come, taking the teenager with him. The incident would make the news later that day, but, strangely enough, in spite of the hundreds of tourists armed with cameras, there would be no pictures. The creature was insubstantial, as though it did not have a proper hold on this world. Its grip on Artemis's hand was soft, with a hard core, like bone wrapped in foam rubber. Artemis did not try to pull away. He was fascinated. Lady Hetherington Smythe repeated the creature.
and Artemis could hear that it was scared. Does this be her estate? Hardly modern syntax, thought Artemis, but definitely English. Now, how does a demon exiled in limbo learn to speak English? The air buzzed with power and white electrical bolts crackled around the creature, slicing holes in space. A temporal rent, a hole in time. Artemis was not overly awed by this. After all, he had seen the lower elements police actually stop time during the foul manor siege. What did concern him was that he was likely to be whisked away with the creature, in which case the chances of him being returned to his own dimension were small. The chances of him being returned to his own time were minuscule. He tried to call out to Butler, but it was too late. If the word late can be used in a place where time does not exist... The rent had expanded to envelop both him and the demon. The architecture and population of Barcelona faded slowly, like spirits, to be replaced first by a purple fog, then a galaxy of stars. Artemis experienced feverish heat, then bitter cold. He felt sure that if he materialised fully, he would be scorched to cinders, then his ashes would freeze and scatter across space. Their surroundings changed in a flash, or maybe a year, it was impossible to tell. The stars were replaced by an ocean, and they were underneath it. Strange deep-sea creatures loomed from the depths, luminous tentacles scything the water all around them. Then there was a field of ice, then a red landscape, the air filled with fine dust. Finally, they were looking at Barcelona again, but different. The city was younger. The demon howled and gnashed its pointed teeth, abandoning all attempts to speak English. Luckily, Artemis was one of two humans in any dimension who spoke gnomish.